Let's just pray. Lord, we thank you for every good thing you give to us. We thank you most of all for the amazing gift of salvation through your son, Jesus. And Lord, we thank you that we can hear more about that tonight. We can hear about your goodness and your love. And we can hear about the fact that you've made a way. And so, Lord, I pray that you shall help us as we listen to you and we'll be open to your voice. Amen. It's uh, quite incredible, isn't it, that um, there's so many things that point us in various directions today and so many tools that we use. Um, when I first passed my test, if you had a map or an A to Z, you are doing quite well and usually had somebody sitting beside you that uh, was sort of pointing left, right, and the left and right would usually be about 10 feet too late because you'd already gone past the opening. Um, but, you know, we've moved on a little bit from there and uh, we've got sat nav in our cars these days. And um, if you've got a phone, um, if you've got Google on your phone, or if you've got an Apple phone, you know, uh, Google or Siri can sort of give you directions to various places. And um, it's quite incredible. And uh, my next little, little filler there was just going to be for Cameron, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, what about the precise thought of astronauts as they're returning to Earth? They've got to be very precise in their path, in their way, haven't they? Because one little deviation always lost. If they're coming too steep, then you burn up at about 1650 Celsius. That's pretty warm in anybody's book. And if you're coming too shallow, you skip off the atmosphere. So um, you've got to be very precise in the way. And it's, um, I guess, possibly less likely these days that you do get lost, especially if you know your way around an area. But have you ever cross a, come across a sign which says something like this? No access through road, sat-nav incorrect. <laughs> Even the sat-nav gets it wrong sometimes. I've, I've come across a road like that in Stoke, and if you went up there, I'm telling you, you wouldn't get back out. So, you know, it doesn't always work out the way we expect. Even if we think we're going in the right direction, we might not be. And it's a very important lesson to learn. And I think I've recounted this story before, this particular small um, anecdote, as it were. Ross and myself were going across to the Lake District to go up Scarfell. And, and for those of you who don't know, it's the second highest peak in England, Scarfell Pike. Next door is the highest. Just give you a bit of geography and geology there while we're on the way. And um, it was, how can I put it? I think not only was it raining cats and dogs, but they were throwing in the horses and cows as well. It was pretty grim when we were driving across, and the winds were strong as well. It dried up a little bit when we got there, um, but it was very wet underfoot. And, um, well, we started on our way, and it was going quite well. And then we got to a ford, I don't mean a ford, I mean when you ford across a little brook, except what had been happening. It had been raining, and the little babbling brook was an absolute raging torrent, and it was well above the level of uh, hiking boots. So I thought, well, what now are we going to do? So we, we climbed up um, right in parallel with the, what was normally a brook, right up, and then had to come all the way back down. And that was a diversion of about 45 minutes. I had to do the same on the way back down as well. So it was an hour and a half we'd lost, and uh, all this uh, during the, the 
time of the year when day, daylight and daytime was uh, very critical, very uh, essential. And we didn't quite make it to the top. I have to say I was absolutely exhausted. Um, according to Ross, we'd, because of the detours, we'd walk more than the length of the mountain path. We'd climb higher than the peak, but we still haven't actually made it there. And that was all because they stopped us in our way. And how easy it is to get stopped in the way. Something unexpected, something that crops up, that you weren't, that you weren't aware of, that you weren't anticipating, but it can prevent you from getting to where you want to be. There's a guy called Alfred Wainwright, who you may well have heard of, and he wrote over 40 books about Lake District Walks. Now, I'm not going to give you, it sounds like I'm a, a rep for the Lake District National Park as we start off here. I'm not going to, but the reason I'm mentioning him is the fact he was a famous fell walker. He walked all over. He experienced what it was like out there in the Lake District. And the key was to stick explicitly to what he said, not to deviate from the path, to trust the author. He'd been there before and he wanted readers to avoid getting lost and evade the dangers. Now, isn't it great when you get a confirmation when you're sitting in a meeting? Okay? And we've just sang, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And my first passage that I've got written down here is Hebrews 2, 12 2, which Hayden's already referred to. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the what? The author, the person who instigated, the person who knows, the person who is inspired, the person who directs, the person who knows because he's been there, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. So, let's think about the way tonight. Jesus, the way. The way. Fixing our eyes on him. As I've already said, Wainwright was qualified because he'd been that way before many times. But not only has Jesus been that way, been our way, he's lived the life, and yet was sinless, but he is the way. He says that in our reading tonight. Not only does he know the way, but he is the way, the author of the way. I am the way, the truth and the life. I am. He is the way when no one else could on the cross. He is the way when no one else can, can continue to be here today by his Holy Spirit. He continues to guide us, to encourage us, to uplift us, perhaps to restrain us, to direct us. As we heard this morning, making sure we're on the right side of the demarcation line. He is the way. Interesting term that the way, isn't it? Because it's a, a term that early Christians were called people of the way. Acts 9 talked about that and it describes how Saul had arrest warrants to arrest people of the way, to get all of them and to well, throw them in jail would be the least, but beat them, flog them, get them incarcerated was terrible. And yet, and yet, 
What a transformation when Paul himself was stopped in the path that he had and he found the way, the blinding light, the voice from the Lord. It was an encounter with God. And God can stop us in our tracks and the path that we're on, wherever that may be, and turn us around to the path that he wants us to follow. Through Jesus, the way, the living way. And later on, after his miraculous conversion, Paul stood on trial before Governor Felix. And he stated that he was now a follower of the way. There was once upon a time that he wanted to stop people of the way. But instead he found the way. He found Jesus. Or should I say that Jesus found him? And perhaps that might be you tonight. You might need to find Jesus. Find him. The way. You know, thinking about, and this is very out of season because we've just had Easter, but think about the Christmas account. How easy it is to assume about a way or a path. Because even the wise men got that wrong, didn't they? There they were thinking that a king, the new king born today, would be in a palace. Would be in somewhere magnificent. And that's the way we've got to go. They were wrong. They were looking in the wrong direction. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. They were looking in the wrong way. Because it wasn't God's way. They assumed. We should never assume. It wasn't a palace. It was a stable. It wasn't a magnificent setting. In fact, it was anything but. But it was where the King of Kings was born. And the Prince of Peace who was to make the way arrived in, on earth. That was God's way in operation. Not some human concept because we haven't got the capacity to work out the way, but God has and did. And friends, sometimes, you know, it's fair to say that we don't know which way to turn, do we? It's true that, isn't it? It's good. In fact, it's essential that we're steeped in God's word. And that gives us guidance. But there's sometimes we just don't know what to say, we don't know what to do, we don't know which way to turn. But God does. God does. Because Jesus is the way. We need to listen to him, listen to his voice. Listen, heed his direction. Because lamp, light, yes. Lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Or, Lord, when we don't know what to do, the Holy Spirit can just drop that word of direction into our lives, moving us, directing us, keeping us on the right side of that demarcation line. And more especially because he knows the beginning from the end, the end from the beginning. He knows. He knows. And 1 Corinthians reminds us that the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. God knows. And more than just knowing, he cares for us. God won't lead us down a cul-de-sac. He won't take us down a dark alley. God is all about revelation and light. And he wants to free us so that we can follow him in that pathway that is right and righteousness. And here's a few more examples, a couple more examples, highlighting God's greatness and his discernment and the fact that we should be making sure our eyes are fixed on him so that as he directs us, 
We know we're in the right path. We know we're in the right, right way. Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. How can you possibly think that we can determine the right way all the time? When we, what we need to do is to be looking to the Lord, to turn and fix our eyes upon him. Because he knows his thoughts, his ways are higher than ours. His understanding is past finding out. If we don't know, let's seek him. And Romans 11, 33 and 34 says this, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable, unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has become his counsellor? How can we know what tomorrow holds? We don't. Except we know that we know the one who does. We can be secure and sure in the knowledge that Jesus, as he holds us, as he keeps us, as he restores us, as he gives us, by his Holy Spirit, that direction, we can be sure that we're travelling on the right way, in the right path, because Jesus is the way. So back to our reading then tonight. And in it, as we read through there in John 14, John addresses a very human instinct that we have, doesn't he? Where we want to know where we're going, and how we're getting there, even before we start the journey. Remember the first time we went to Centre Parks with the boys. Centre Parks in Cumbria. We got to Chesley Street and one of the twins shouted out, oh, we're nearly there yet. <laughs> no. No, being 10 minutes on the road, we're not there yet. But that's a natural instinct, isn't it? To know where we're going. How will we get there? What's the destination like? What are we going to see on the way? He's turning on the sat nav, you get an idea how long it will take, and we travel the fastest route. Well, Thomas was looking for the same sort of information, I would suggest. How do we get there? What should we look out for to provide some comfort so that we know we're on the right way, on the right path? And what's it going to be like when we get there? Well, all I can say about heaven is it's going to be a fantastic place. And we read some of it in Revelation. But Jesus is there. God is there. So it's going to be glorious. It's going to be a place free from crying and pain and suffering. It's going to be wonderful. I'm afraid I can't give you lots of detail. But if he's there, we want to be there, don't we? That's the destination to be. Jesus makes it clear to his disciples and by inference us here today that we won't always know defined way though we won't always know yes we know day by day and we follow his word we want to be obedient to his word but we won't always have a complete understanding of the way as we travel through the length of our journey however long or short life may take us and i would suggest that it's a blessing that we don't always know what's around the corner tomorrow but the lord does I know who holds the future. 
I know. Can I take the next line? I'm in his hand, is that right? Yeah. I hold his hand, something like that. I know who holds the future. Mm -hmm. The Lord, the Lord Jesus. We're simply tasked with knowing and trusting Jesus daily. Walking in him. Knowing that he is the way. If we're walking in him and knowing that he is in the way, abiding in him, keeping in step with him, perhaps we won't know a precisely defined course. We might have an idea of what we want to do, what we want to be, but it's as the Lord wills, because he knows what's best for us. Not always obvious, but Jesus will lead us exactly where we need to go as we walk in obedience to him. The word talks about keeping in step with the Spirit, doesn't it? Being in what, as one with him. You know, just to clarify, there are a few occasions where the Lord gives direction, uh, especially to uh, a chosen person. Think of Philip when he goes down to, the, uh, to Gaza to meet the Ethiopian official. Or Ananias. Um, can you imagine being Ananias? Dear me. Um, do you want to go and see this guy Saul? He's been, you know, being a bit of a terror and breathing out murderous threats, but I want you to go and pray for him. By go in that some direction. It's almost as bad as being told complicated here, isn't it? But can you imagine? But that's direction. The old hymn says this. Teach me thy way, O Lord. Teach me thy way. Thy gracious aid afford, teach me thy way. I'm going to underline this next bit. Help me to walk aright. More by faith and less by sight. Lead me with heavenly light. Teach me thy way. More by faith, less by sight. And sometimes we rely, if I oh, I speak for myself, sometimes I rely more on experience when we need to be leading on the Lord. Let's try and do that. And that leads us on to related thought. Earlier in John's Gospel in chapter 10, Jesus declares two other I am's. I am the good shepherd and I am the gate. In describing the good shepherd, Jesus states this. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognise a stranger's voice. And he, as Jesus used that figure of speech, the, the Pharisees were still bewildered. So he went on to mention about and, and, and expand about the gate. Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. I've underlined two things in those two readings, one in each. One is, his sheep follow him. That's the good shepherd, because they know his voice. We need to be following the good shepherd. And how attentive are we to his voice? So that we know we're following him in the right way. And this is the great wonder of salvation. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. 
Isn't that wonderful? There's no might be. There's no well we'll see. There's no time will tell. Whoever enters through me, Jesus, will be saved. Isn't that great? There's an absolute definitive about it. Will be saved. See, Jesus made a comparison here of him being the caring shepherd to us. And he is, isn't he? He's a wonderful shepherd. His sheep, we are his sheep. And I'm sure Hayden will correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I'm pretty right on this. Sheep don't tend to choose their own path for safety or correction. You don't see a lot of sheep on the side of the road with an ordnance survey map having a check. You don't. Rather, they rely on the shepherd to guard them, to keep them, to direct them, to be safe. And who do we have? Jesus, the good shepherd, who we know we can rely on. You know, a bit like sheep, before we know it, if we're not careful, we can wander off. Perhaps we're not paying attention to the voice. Or not paying attention to what we're being told. Or not listening to the spirit. And that results in insecurity, doesn't it? And a loss of spiritual well-being. And it affects our position in the flock. Well, let's make sure we're attentive. I'll say it again. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Turning our eyes to him. That's what's so important. To listen constantly to the shepherd's voice. Psalm 23 is so well known and so well read. But I'll read a little excerpt. The Lord is my shepherd, I, lock, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. He makes me lie down. He leads me to quiet waters. He guides me along the right paths. All dependent upon listening and obedience and accepting that he is the way. The good shepherd know, knows what best for us. Jesus isn't a way, he's the way to the Father. Mark Reaney, a contemporary Christian poet, wrote these few but thought-provoking <coughs> words, which were simply this. If all roads lead to God, who controls the traffic lights? It's true, isn't it? Who has authority? Who has control? Well, of course, we know that it's God. It's Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The way of the old dispensation and the law resulted in condemnation and death because no one, absolutely no one was sinless. But then Jesus came. I am the way. And right now, if we're not born again and travelling in the right way, and in Jesus, we're still condemned and lost. That's the brutal fact. We've heard recently about the broad way. Looks good. Lots of people on it but leads to destruction. Then there's a narrow way. Not so many on that one, but leads to life. Jesus. But the good news is that Jesus came not only to create a way, but actually be the way. Isn't that marvellous? Whoever enters through me will be saved. And unqualified assurance 
of faith, a route to be forgiven, the right to be before Almighty God and right before him. The old hymn says this, There is a way for man to rise to that sublime abode, an offering and a sacrifice, Jesus. A Holy Spirit's energies, an advocate with God. Jesus is the only way, the only way, the only pathway. And he provides for us, who were once powerless, an absolute assurance that he's gone to prepare a place for us. Just as the way is certain, so the destination is certain. So the place that he's prepared is certain. So the hope that we have is certain. Isn't that great? It is a certain hope. The challenge for us, as we were thinking of what the psalmist said, one, Psalm 139, O oh Lord, you have searched me and you have known me. You know when I sit down, when I rise up. You understand my thoughts from afar. You scrutinise my path and my lying down. And you are intimately acquainted with all my ways. And if the Lord, and he does, knows all of our ways, how often do we deviate from his? Mm. Let's just be careful that we keep on his path, on his way. I want to read um, an excerpt which you may have heard before. And... Um, but I think it's appropriate. And it's um, relating back to the year 2000, so it's quite a few years ago. And it's, um, it's an occasion where in North Carolina, Billy Graham, the great evangelical preacher, was given a reception in honour of his work and all that he'd done. And he was a bit reluctant um, because at that time he was struggling with Parkinson's disease. And he thought it would be difficult if you had to do anything major. And they said, no, we don't expect a major address or a great speech. We just want to honour you. Um, so he agreed. And there was lots of lovely things said about him. And uh, no doubt he was embarrassed by those. But it came to the point where he stepped up to the, the pulpit, the rostrum. And um, he said this. And I'm reading what he said now. He said, I'm reminded today of Albert Einstein, the great physicist, who this month has been honoured by Time magazine as the man of the century. Albert Einstein was once travelling from Princeton on a train when the conductor came down the aisle, punching the tickets of every passenger. When he came to Einstein, Einstein reached into his vest pocket. He couldn't find his ticket. So he reached into his trouser pocket. It wasn't there. He looked in his briefcase but couldn't find it. Then he looked in the seat beside him and he still couldn't find it. The conductor said, Dr. Einstein, I know who you are. We all know who you are. I'm sure you bought a ticket. Don't worry about it. Einstein nodded appreciatively. The conductor continued down the aisle, punching tickets. As he was ready to move to the next car, he turned around and saw the great physicist down on his hands and knees looking under the seat for his ticket. The conductor rushed back and said, Dr. Einstein, Dr. Einstein, don't worry. I know who you are, no problem. You don't need a ticket. I'm sure you bought one. And listen carefully to this. Einstein looked at him and said, Young man, I too know who I am. What I don't know is where I'm going. <laughs> 
And having said that, Billy Graham continued, I not only know who I am, but I know where I'm going. And that's the challenge tonight. Jesus said, I am the way. Do we know where we're going? Have we found the way? The road to eternal life? The route to peace with Jesus? He said, I am the way. Have we come to him?